0: Johnny, what beer
1: you got there? It is Freebird from Big Isle. Oh.
2: Ah, uh, you gotta try Sprongbrock. Spr-
0: <laughs> He's got it. James is up. He's on it. Yeah, yeah. I,
3: I wish water. that
1: I could go to Big Isle and pick up their beers, but also a thirty rack of PBR Easy. <laughs>
2: Uh, from them pbr easy is just oh it's the saddest thing
1: have they contacted us yet about sponsorship
2: uh no no okay Uh, Hmm. no one has contacted us about sponsorship there have Uh, been a couple people who've contacted us asking us to please not promote their products on (laughs) here interesting yeah
1: it looks like pbr has not tweeted since valentine's day which no. is interesting.
2: Somebody should really check in on them. It feels like the social media manager is <laughs> like one of the only people who should still have their job there.
1: But maybe I will still tweet at them just to see. You
2: know,
3: you know, you will. <laughs> he will. <laughs> Don't put a I name. will follow them on Instagram. Uh, though. Will
2: I talk to a brand on Twitter? Uh-huh. I guess. <laughs> My name's Man. Johnny O'Mara.
1: It was a real bummer to tweet mean things at Haircuttery because y'all know how much I love interacting with brands in positive ways. Yeah. yeah.
2: Let's cut over to our big baby who's in a little tiny robe right now. Gable, you are about as disguised as you can be given the limited resources you have available to you on this ship.
0: Okay, I just want to like jet to Minnie at this point because she's probably Mm -hmm. made a lot of progress, right?
2: Yeah, I think you move through the door as quietly as you can to find Minnie in the next room, crouched in the darkness, contemplating the knife.
0: What are you doing, Minerva? You! (laughs) Gable! What are you doing here? I'm an adult. I do what I please. I'm old enough! Like Minerva. Gable gets down. What are you doing with that knife?
1: Well, I came to use it.
0: Use it on whom? On anyone. Well, I'm not gonna tell you not to. But maybe not tonight. You're still very young. I said I'm old enough. I won't deny that. If you think you are, you are. But I'm here now. And I assume you came to get me.
1: Well, it's not strictly speaking true, but...
0: It, the impetus for, a uh, rage-filled, terrorizing your, uh, the go-go-on-a-rampage sort of thing, kind of thing? Look, holding
1: you here wasn't the only thing they've done to me.
0: I know. They're pretty bad, aren't they? Yeah. How about this? You put that knife away, and you and I, how would you like to steal something?
2: Well, sign me up. Gable's the best angel. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that 13 isn't old enough to do a knife murder. It is. If you think you're old enough, you're if you old think enough. You are, I'm all
0: about you and what you think you're ready for.
2: <laughs> but how about instead we have a little treat and rob the church? I think they've got some really good stuff, and I think
0: that's going to be a lot of fun. How about that?
1: I love stealing and I especially love stealing from the church.
0: Alright. Now you're gonna to have to stay real quiet, alright?
1: I can stay quiet. Just make sure you don't bump your head on any of these doorways and scream.
0: Uh, excuse, as you're wont to do. I'm saving you. Your tone is very similar to another bad person that I know. And as far as I know, you are a different person. So maybe your relationship to me should be different, right? I
1: am a different person, but...
3: <laughs> uh, felt it. <laughs> felt it
1: coming. <laughs> Travis did tell me that he'd give me five bucks if I was
0: mean to you. <laughs> I swear to God all right we're going we're on our way and now I I'm I'm gonna be the cool uncle that's gonna be me uh, you're gonna like me more than Travis by the end I'm gonna, we're gonna steal
2: Yeah Gable don't blow this this is your opportunity to be fun
3: uh, <laughs> No pressure Gable
0: you know what come on get under my cloak.
3: What? (laughs) There's clearly going to be four legs.
1: This
0: is a small robe, as we've established. Do you have a better idea, Minerva? If you're going to help, maybe... Do you have any ideas? We could sneak and not need to worry about
1: being one or two people. Seeing one person that's not supposed to be a place is about as bad as seeing two people that aren't supposed to be in a place. Listen, you little twerp. I swear to God,
0: (laughs) I was trying to have a fun time here, and you are making things a lot worse. I'm trying to be nice to you. I'm trying to have fun, too. I'm just saying... We've established that it's a small robe. And we've also established that my sneak is very, very low. So we're all spitballing. We're all throwing things. There's no bad ideas in brainstorming unless there's negativity. The negativity is what stops the brainstorming. I love
1: that you're trying to come up with ideas. (laughs) I love that.
0: I'm going to throw you right back out the window. I don't know who you are, but we never spoken, but I feel so angry right now, and I don't know why.
1: (laughs) If I can steal from the church and make five bucks, I'm going to do it. All right. All right. I'll give you $10. I just pray we don't have to see that scene. (laughs) I'm not capable enough to do that sort of thing.
0: All right, Minerva. What, are we going to steal or what? No, I'm so mad. (laughs) Just like, Gable was so excited to be like a parental figure and do a cool thing, but Minnie's so mean. (laughs) You've got time to redeem yourself. All right, let's go. I know where we're going. Just follow me, I guess. Whatever. So so what are we going to steal? They've got good stuff. I can feel it. It's like magic things. I can feel magic, you know. Okay. Can you feel magic? Do you have any cool things? Do you have a a secret cryptozoological history or anything like that (laughs) i met a
1: skunk ape once
0: oh that's fun (laughs) all right i think we're just gonna make our make our way like out and bickering
2: yeah i think this conversation has been going as you've been making your way through the ship and one of the advantages that i gave you is that a lot of people on the ship are drunk and not paying attention to their jobs Which means a large robed figure with four feet that is having a conversation with itself in two voices (laughs) is right now going unnoticed. (laughs) I think you get a blue die for everyone being drunk and a blue die for your bad disguise. And this is an average check. It's two.
0: That's five advantages. Uh, And not a success among them. Five advantages.
2: (laughs) Uh, yes this is absolutely perfect so what happens is while you're rounding a corner on this ship you basically run into a manos he's drunk i think he's actually carrying a bottle of wine with him i think gable manages to catch himself, but Minnie probably stumbles out of the robe and even though this guy is drunk you are still caught He opens his mouth as though he is going to shout to raise an alarm, but some of the wine that he was drinking catches in his throat and he actually coughs instead, which means you have failed. You have been caught. However, because you had five advantages, the person who caught you is not immediately able to raise alarm, which means you have an opportunity to do something about this situation before the whole jig is up and people start coming after you. And I think another part of your advantage is he's right next to a goddamn window. Ooh, kidoki!
0: All right, and I also have quick strikes. So that means I have a blue die.
2: Yeah, baby. Brawl this boy. Brawl the boy.
0: Brawl. Oh, my my dice, I dropped it. And what was the regular difficulty of it?
2: Uh, this is average or brawl attack. Brawl attack.
0: Average is two. I keep on forgetting. Average is two, right? Average right, is two. You. Yeah. That's a success and advantage. Just fling him out the window.
2: Hmm. I think you're able to grab him and just very cleanly yeet him out the window.
0: Roll for yeet. Roll for yeet. (laughs) He was yoted. Player three defeated. Gable turns down to mini. Was that cool? Was that cool enough for you? That was
1: pretty
2: cool. I swear. (laughs) keep on walking. Let's cut over to Travis, Margaret, and Janet as they are making their way over to the Uhuru. And I think as you're approaching the plank that would lead you aboard the ship, Margaret stops. I don't think Gable is aboard the ship.
3: Uh, no, it's okay. I think they might be inside. There's an inside, too. Jonnet, I'm afraid you don't understand my meaning.
2: Travis, may I see your hand? Sure. Uh. Sure. Margaret takes Travis's hand and extends his fingers, then flicks the air in front of them as though she is twanging the string on a guitar. And Travis, you can feel a vibrating tickle at your fingertips as though a string is tied around your fingers and is vibrating with her touch. Gable's not on this ship. What are you? Gable's on that ship. Oh, Oh, man! I don't like that. I don't like that
3: either. okay, well, I guess we're going to that ship. Come on, we don't Travis. Really
1: have a choice
3: <laughs> okay oh, i bet I bet that uh I bet that slime ball's probably talking about what they can and can't do with the tarp.
2: Lorenzo Arenzi is a notoriously selfish man, and if he's taken your friend to his ship, he probably believes he can get something out of them. I can help you sneak aboard undetected, though it would be added to the balance of
3: my payment. And Travis is paying your fee? Yes, he's a dear. Okay, well, t- yeah, we'll take it.
1: <laughs> well, 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 what, are, what, can, what can you do to get us on this ship that I couldn't do to get us on this ship?
2: I can guarantee that we won't be seen or heard.
3: Both of those things, I feel like you can't do.
2: Well, uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you who cannot be being seen
1: so or heard. So loud, Travis!
2: <laughs> 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 hey, popcorn! <girl. laughs>
1: I will not. I will not.
3: No, Tra- that's the one thing we have to do.
2: <laughs> fine, fine. Put it on my tab. Who cares? As always, Mr. Madigo, you are wise to trust me. She holds out a hand to both Jonnet and Travis. Take my
3: hands. Jonet very quickly grabs it. Travis?
2: Travis grabs as well. Do you trust me? Yes. I s- suppose I don't have a choice. With a black lily, there is always a choice. Do you want to go on that ship? Well, I...
1: I yes, I i don't want to go on the ship but i want to save gable so whatever whatever however that
2: hits (laughs) you then according to your desire we will board that ship and we will not be seen and we will not be heard then hand in hand she leads the two of you towards the ship and you feel the air fill with that humming power once more but you don't see yourselves as invisible or anything and you start to draw near the gangplank where there are two guards on either end of it. Are you saying anything or doing anything? I think what do we do? as what do we do?
3: They. we start to approach the guards closer and closer. John begins to try and slow his pace and then drag Margaret back, but I think there's a moment where he looks at her and she is very resolute about it and he just kind of like eases up and just like or just like eases off of trying to like hold them back.
2: Margaret squeezes your hand in a comforting gesture and says in a gentle voice, all you have to do is trust me. Margaret walks forward and I think right now the way the guards are standing there actually isn't enough room for all three of you to move past as you're all holding hands. Margaret approaches them without a hint of fear and says aloud, gentlemen some room at her command the two of them move but they move in a way that seems like it's driven by coincidence they don't shift as though they were told to shift they shift as though they were going to shift anyway and now happen to be the time with that you have plenty of room to pass
3: oh as they walk past them jonnet they walk out of frame with like the guard on far right jonnet leans back in and is about to, like, tap him on the shoulder, and then Margaret, like, just pulls him back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Gable, where is this big magical treasure being held?
0: We felt it. You said it was in the middle of the sh- ship, right?
2: Yes, it's definitely in the middle of the ship. Uh, what I wanted to know was what kind of room you think it's being held in. Th-
0: the storage is like the galley, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's but like this is a part of the galley which is weirdly beautiful. Like it seems like some ceremonies might be held here, and also there's a lot of walls and coverings that wouldn't normally be in a in a galley.
2: Oh that's it. This is near the heart bell of the ship. In front of the heart bell on the ship, there is an altar, and it appears you could do ceremonies here. You could hold services or meetings on the ship here, and it is finely decorated, just like the rest of the ship. But there is something strange and disquieting about this heart bell. This is smaller than the bell on the Uhuru, but it's still an object that serves the same function. And whatever metal it's made out of, whatever metal you can see, is silvery. And knowing Lorenzo Arenzi, it could be silver-plated or even solid silver. And you can even see on the parts of the metal that are visible that there are intricate carvings and engravings in the bell of a finery you would expect from Lorenzo Arenzi. However, the disturbing thing is that fine silver bell and all of its detailed fixtures are covered up By what it is very clear to Gable is skin.
0: Oh, oh God. Minnie, Minnie, come back. What's wrong? I need you to find, there should be a cargo door. We can open it and make our way out. We need to go.
1: I thought we were stealing.
0: Pick up something on the way, but we have to go.
2: What happened?
0: Can you tell me what's on that bell?
2: Minnie looks towards the bell but she can't really focus on it. It becomes blurry in her eyes. Uh, For those of us who wear glasses, it's very much like taking those off as the world becomes indistinct and hard to parse and a little uncomfortable to look at. She just can't draw herself to focus on it and pick out any of the terrifying detail that is so plain to Gable. I don't know, It, it looks, just looks weird. What's the difference?
0: Like you can't focus your eyes on it?
1: No, but, you know, I've been up for a long time and I'm stressed.
0: Minnie, go find the door.
1: I want to steal. What's wrong with you?
0: Go find something. Please. We have to go.
2: Minnie goes to look for the door.
0: How close are we to the bell?
2: Oh, very close. You can walk right up to it. I mean, I gotta touch
0: it, though. Gable walks up very slowly because it doesn't make sense what they think this is. Does anything happen when they hold out their hand?
2: Nothing magical happens when you just hold out your hands, but I want to know, does Gable touch it?
0: I think they just come short of touching it. Looking around to see what the purpose is and piecing together why it would be this way.
2: I think to discover more about it like that, you would need a knowledge forbidden check.
0: I do have knowledge forbidden. Then I'll I'll do that.
2: It's a hard check, but I'm going to give you a blue die for it for specific reasons that I don't want to discuss beforehand. That's a wash. So with a roll like that, I can let you know one thing, and it's that reliquy is a practice as ancient as magic itself. As long as there have been people, and Gable has gazed down upon them and cast judgment on them, people have used parts of other creatures and parts of other people in rituals to perform magic spells. And the Sovereign had varying views on this practice, almost cyclopean and impossible to understand. Right and wrong seemed to be tied to his ineffable whim, especially concerning this practice. In some circumstances it was sacred and correct, and others it was baleful and profane. How to respond to reliquy often fell to an individual judging angel's opinion, and after the judgment was rendered, it was considered to be part of the sovereign's will. Once you fell to earth, you saw the practice of reliquy wax and wane throughout human history. Some decades it would be fashionable, and others it would be terrifically unfashionable. And for a time, a dark and chilling time... The Church of the Slain God found it fashionable. Looking at this, you know what you suspect it is, but the practice it would take to do something like this hasn't been fashionable for some time. And you frankly don't know what flesh might be used to do. You don't make a practice of magic, and this type of magic specifically makes your skin crawl. But with all Gable's experience in the world, they can't help but know That this is some form of reliquy.
0: Gable is sweaty and sick and feels just completely off kilter. So they reach out their hand to just touch right where the bell curves. And they don't know why, but they say, hello?
2: And when you touch it, it feels warm. And it also feels sweaty and sick. And what you don't know, but what you definitely suspect is that this is the first friendly touch this angel has felt in a very long time. Let's cut over to the peanut patrol. <laughs> The chuckle fucks. Yeah, the chuckle fucks, the goobuses, Margaret's bad kids, whatever you want to call them. Y'all are gliding pretty easily through this vessel. Uh, There are people who full on look in your direction and don't seem to see you. And there are people that you pass in narrow hallways who take great pains to avoid running into you, even though it's very inconvenient for them and they don't seem to know that you're there i i absolutely hate how cool this is
3: (laughs) oh so it makes me so mad (laughs) this is so awesome can they can't hear us right like we, we can talk do i
2: have to whisper as long as you trust me they will not see you and they will not hear you
3: oh and then Janet holds up uh margaret's hand is like oh i am not letting go of this and i I trust you okay and then he's waving in front of someone's face so okay you you i mean you felt that gable wasn't on our ship so do you know where on this ship they are
2: (sighs) i have a general idea the bond between gable and travis is strong enough that it manifests itself as a connection and i can feel that connection so I know that they are somewhere on this ship, but exactly where, I'm not sure.
3: And then Janet looks at his pinky, and then to Travis. So, does that mean that you could find me if Travis wanted to find me sometime?
2: Yes, it does. Very good. And with the promise between you two, that would be even easier.
3: Oh, alright. Cool, let's... I guess I can never run away. Well, so long as I happen to be
2: in your company. But I don't know that Travis would be able to afford that, though.
1: (laughs) I could afford it, but I wouldn't want it.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, we're happy to have you on board uh, as long as you're on the clock.
2: (laughs) <clears throat> yes, Mr. Madigo, based on my dealings with you, I do suspect it would be difficult for you to scrape together a lifetime of love, devotion, and understanding. But I suppose we could try turning out your pockets. <laughs> well, I I used that up about 170 years ago. Hmm, that is a shame. Now then, where would we find Gable if we were looking for them on this ship? Where do you think your friend would be?
3: Well, either the captain's quarters, uh, trying to get that tarp, or a jail cell. Yeah, I was gonna say the bathroom of the brig. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Either shitting or stealing, one or the other.
2: (laughs) I like that in their history together, there have been like a few times where Gabble, uh, Gable and Travis have gotten Gabble. together. Gable. Gable. That's, you know, a lot of people are saying Trable, but Gabble. Gable. <laughs> I have mean you that's consider, nothing. Have you that's just Gable. you pronouncing the "a" like Travis. <laughs> that's all I deserve. I like it's still spelled Gable, so it's completely useless. I like the the middle sound celebrity <laughs> couple names, but like I like the idea that over the centuries, when Gable gets drunk and they get it into their head to get revenge on someone, one of their big plans is to break into their place and shit in their home. <laughs>
0: Steal it or shit.
2: In. Uh, that'll show them.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm gonna I'll shit in their toilet it. and then steal it.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. What are they get? Where are they gonna? Where are they gonna sh- Where are they gonna go? <laughs> Nowhere, right? Because I I took it. So who's stupid now? <laughs> who's stupid now?
2: I'm uh, the smart one.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, the other thing that I like about this gable asking themselves who's stupid now is like no one is calling gable yeah. stupid it's the universe proving uh, that Gable's gable so
0: gable knows, really the yeah, knows they're stupid yeah Gable knows <laughs> they're stupid oh well
2: then it sounds like it's best we start at the break and we leave this trio as they begin to walk through the ship once more Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Let's get things started with a radvertisement. This one comes to us from Ziva, Ordo, Varexa, and Zuzoni, Death Orb, Nars, Starcat, And it goes out to Madeline. Thank you for being such an awesome GM. You brought together this ragtag group of aliens who will hopefully learn to like each other as much as the players do. And you've made our isolation feel just a bit less isolated. Happiest of birthdays, dear lady. Well, Madeline, it sounds like you've got an amazing group of players there. And if you've got aliens who are trying to learn how to like each other, I've got a piece of advice. Do not let them debrief their missions together. Don't do it. Do not do it. But I probably don't need to give you that advice because it seems like you got the situation on lock. Happy birthday, Madeline, and take flight. Heroes, the series we've got coming up on the One Shot podcast next week is kind of a big deal. We've invited friend of the show Patrick Rothfuss back on to help us play a game in his world of Temerant. That's right, we are going to be playing in the universe of the Kingkiller Chronicles with the author of the Kingkiller Chronicles. This is going to be the first new story out of Temerant since The Lightning Tree and Slow Regard for Silent Things were published. If you happen to be a fan of the Kingkiller Chronicles and you want to learn some juicy bits of lore about the world of Temerant, then you definitely won't want to miss these episodes. That's going to be coming up next Monday. And I should also mention, because we are on Campaign Skyjacks, our very own Liz Anderson is going to be playing that game with us. But that's not all. Those episodes are going to be edited by Casey Tony, and original music will be provided by Arnie Parrott. That's right. Arnie Parrott is taking his Skyjack's talent to write some music that would come from the world of Tamarant. Ah, uh, so this is gonna kick ass! Once again, those episodes are gonna start premiering next Monday on the One Shot feed. Ariel Young, thank you so much. Kai Widerman, thank you. Rachel Page, thank you so much. Brian Lee, thank you. Taller Daniels, thank you. Azim, thank you very much. Caitlin Isle, thank you. Emma Hyslop, thank you so much. C.G., thank you. Lewis Edwards, thank you. Carrie Newhouse, thank you very much. Ken Davidson, thank you, buddy. Geneva Langland, thank you so much. N.K. Dog, thank you. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make this show without you. And if you want some neat bonus content, please sign up for our secret archive, which starts at the $5 or more level on our Patreon. There are a few new cool things that we've got in the works for that, and I am very excited to share it with you.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Now, with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. And so we turn to Gable. Gable, after touching this, you absolutely know what this is.
3: Uh How
0: are you still? I'm going to cast magic.
3: Cool. Let's
0: let's roll and then see what happens. I want to see who's in there.
2: Okay. This is definitely a divine check, and I'm kind of thinking that it has to be daunting. Sure. But let's give you a blue die to it.
0: Yife. Yife
2: holy shit There's two successes
3: there <laughs> <No! laughs>
0: it is I'm ex- extremely good at one thing
2: I mean I absolutely didn't expect this and this rules so I think let's get started by me telling you that the reason you had a blue die is because you have spent months around Dref watching him as he practiced his necromancy mm. And for most of your existence, you have thought of necromancy as a terrible and dark thing. And it took you a long time and a lot of will to warm up to the idea that necromancy wasn't in and of itself a profane thing. It started, I think, with you insisting that you be there during his practice of necromancy so that you could stand against any untoward abomination should you need to. But slowly over time, it evolved into you becoming friends with Dref and just wanting to spend time around him and being close to him and watching him. You picked up some things. And one thing that's very clear about the situation directly in front of you is that an abomination has already taken place. And that empowers you to question the ideas that you were raised with because the Sovereign would have declared Dref's mercies as abomination And yet here, this unspeakable thing before your eyes was done by the Church, which is still under the domain of the angels that control the Sovereign's absent heavens. And it has wrought this. So, you come to the decision to use some of the techniques that you learned from watching Dref as you weave this spell, and it is going to help you find out who this was. Liz, how do you think that manifests itself? Ooh, let me know if this is too gross. Mm -hmm.
0: Reaching at the top of the bell, they grab some of the skin and begin peeling down.
2: I don't think this is too gross. The sound effects that Casey will add will make it too (laughs) gross. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Casey. It It makes sex sounds moans and, and, <laughs> um and horny like squirt noises it's mm, so it's gross. like a clive barker yeah situation. it's a it's a gross it's a conceptually um casey you can just put in the pause for porno skit from uh the chronic 2001
2: i don't <laughs> think you <laughs> can i'm pretty sure we, we don't, don't have the soon. rights to that absolutely <laughs> yeah.
1: You could put it in backwards, or if we, I th- if we start to, if we critique it, then I think it's fair use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's break down,
0: stop uh, the episode for a quick best week ever, so we can. Describe.
2: I I I think perhaps the audience will will deeply appreciate uh, uh not sound effects being added there, or mm-hmm. maybe Casey replacing what could be gross sound effects with like nonsense sound effects we'll uh, we'll leave it in casey's hands so what
0: this looks like as it peels away it's sort of like pulling on a thread of a sweater
2: Mm. Mm. oh interesting so what's it becoming well that's that's kind of the thing because what i'm picturing right now is that it's unraveling into like flesh yarn
0: Mm, well that's the thing like is it Dissolving into air? Is it still the same? That's kind of a you question, I think.
3: Oh boy, that's a lot of power.
0: It's gonna go Google flesh iron.
3: Florin?
2: Well, just pulled the luminary.
0: I don't, I don't see it. I can't see it. The loom. Oh wow. No way.
3: Oh the wow. The fucking loom.
0: Wow. I pulled the goddamn loom.
3: Wow.
2: Holy shit. Man. Um, it's These cards like our
3: show.
1: It's spooky. It's,
2: that that one's really
0: spooky. <laughs> oh, the God, nose. I'm uncomfortable. What does the loom mean, James?
2: <sighs> the loom's themes are toil, obligation, and sacrifice. So undoing what was done here is going to be very difficult on you. And I think I got it. So you're using necromancy right now, which is a shade of divine magic. Specifically, the aspects of divine magic that deal with the power of life and death. And fallen have specifically been cut off from death. So although you are unraveling this coat of skin around the bell, you're actually weaving something new into the strands. You are weaving in death. You are allowing this fallen to die, which has been forbidden from them. Now, you recovered a memory, and we've discussed it off mic, and you said that you wanted it to be about something relating to a thing that you and I have decided about the way fallen work in this world. Yes. I've put some thought into it, and most of the memories that we've been dealing with uh, from Gable so far have been from Gable's time in heaven, either right around the fall or even maybe a little bit before the fall. Yeah. And I think this memory is going to be one of Gable's earliest memories because it will have happened long before the fall. Because we decided that most of the angels that fell from heaven became the stars that fell on Sphere. But angels were cast out by the Sovereign before then. And this memory that you've recovered... Is the memory of the first fallen. Long before the stars fell, long before the sovereign was slain, an angel was cast out of the sovereign's perfect heavens. Their wings were carved away, and they were cast down to sphere in fiery disgrace. And one of the things that means is Gable knew the price of rebellion before a rebellion was started. And that is also how you know that fallen are not permitted to die. Liz, please tell us, what is this memory?
0: The memory is, it's ancient and Mm -hmm. very foggy. Gable remembers the feeling of curiosity because everyone was gathered for the casting down, but no one knew what happened after. So one night, Gable left and went to look. The fallen had run into on its way down a mountain and had impaled itself on a rock, had been there for maybe two weeks. And Gable remembers walking in bare feet up to its body and seeing it was still breathing.
2: We see Gable for the first time, I think, in this podcast's history as a full angel manifesting in a physical form. Liz, what did Gable look like? Just very
0: sad. They had a helm, they had armor, but it was nothing too garish. Huge, huge wings as befits their station, but
2: not much else. What color were Gable's wings? And I'll let you know the canonical colors that I've decided on for angel wings in the Skyjacks Canon is white, black, silver, and gold, and any combination thereof black and gold. Hell yeah, hell yeah, that's metal as hell. Mm -hmm. So we see Gable's wings flared out in glory, with the gold and silver flames of heaven crowning their halo. And Gable's many hundred eyes stare at this suffering creature curiously. What does Gable do?
0: They kind of cock their head a little bit and try to behead it.
2: Gable pulls out their sword And in this moment, we learn something about Gable's sword. In order to draw it, you have to pluck one of the feathers from your wings, and it plucks out slowly unsheathing into a massive nine-foot-long blade. And as Gable wields it, gold fire starts to slowly lap out across it until the entire thing is wreathed in a shimmering blaze. Gable's expression is curious, innocent, and pitying, and with the elegant grace of the angel's dance of war, your blade moves through the air, and it cleaves through the rock, sinew, and bone, with the same ease it does the air itself. And the head falls at your feet, but the body doesn't stop breathing, and the eyes don't stop moving, and they look at you just as surprised as you look at them. And the memory fades. The loom is a thing of love, but tied in that love is toil and suffering. And what you have done for this fallen, giving at least its flesh the peace of death and ending a pain that it has suffered for an untold period of time, was a powerful mercy, which is one of the faces of love and it returns your mercy with a sacrifice of its own. And as the tired flesh unravels, it spools into a feather.
0: Jeez. Oh, I think Gable just, like, falls down. <laughs> like, there's no coming back from that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy.
2: And I think with that, it's time for the chuckle fucks to arrive, probably. <laughs> Gable won't be able to see us. Oh, That's true. How much do we see? Well, first I have a question for our friend Johnny. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, we mentioned that Minnie was looking for a door, but obviously she took that time to do a little bit of stealing. Oh, for sure. So I want to know what she got.
1: (laughs) So has she found sort of a, a, I don't know, a treasure room? Or is it just kind of like
2: grabbing things that she can find? I think in a way, the whole ship is a treasure room. Everything here is really expensive and nice. There are silver decorations and paintings. She took a lot of pens,
1: a lot of very nice fountain pens. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Some like smaller sculptures that she could put in her pockets, you know, little like little guys. Oh gosh. I think she accidentally stole a lot of not super valuable stuff. <laughs>
0: um, so, <laughs> this is so just you, shiny.
1: You know, those like things where it's two balls that people have on their desk that you kind of like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like executive hand exercise balls or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She
1: took those. <laughs> um
0: she just loaded up with stuff this little girl.
1: Yeah, I mean she essentially took like desk toys and um and pens. <laughs> nice pens, <laughs> nice pens.
0: Good pens.
2: Well, I guess if I can't do a knife murder, I'm going to steal all their office supplies. <laughs> uh, she probably found some cash, too. Yeah. Well, okay, let's think about this. There is not exactly a treasure room on the ship, even though, you know, there's fine stuff all over the ship. But one of the things that Lorenzo has to do as he travels around is collect alms, or, you know, as he referred to it as taxes. So there is a strong box on the ship that is full of money that's been collected from different municipalities. And I think the person who is in charge of that lockbox Steals. So while Minnie doesn't have access to the lockbox itself, she found the little bit of money that this person had stolen out of it. So I think she found about a handful of gold bits and over a dozen full silver bars. Good for her. Uh, Yeah, good for her. I should probably take some time to explain. When I say gold bars here, I don't mean big bricks like in our world. It's bigger. It's a Well, bigger in that it's actually much smaller, and they are rectangular bars about the size and length of a human thumb. Bars are made out of precious metal, like gold, silver, and copper, and a bit is a quarter of a bar that literally has been chopped off. So she is wandering around this central cargo area of the ship, and I think she is probably the first person that your group runs into as you've entered approximately close to Gable's area.
1: Oh, but she can't, she also can't see us. Right. She
2: also can't see you.
3: Hey, is that, is that Minnie? What is she doing? What is she doing? I don't know. Oh, it looks like she's stealing stuff. And John, it goes to like join her, but then he remembers that he's tied to Margaret. Saying, like, oh, no, oh, man. So he just takes a pin that's nearby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are pins everywhere on this ship. Just,
3: will, will
1: she be
2: okay? Should we get her? Uh, why are you asking me this is a little girl you know? Should she be on this ship? Well, no, she's... not at all. I mean none of us should be here. Well, then you obviously have to go get her
3: well uh, M- margaret if if we let go, are we visible, and if we come back with her? Is she going to be invisible?
2: Well, I do suppose she would need to trust me, and that might be a bit of a feat, as we've never met. However, most importantly, I'll need to gather more power in order to cast the spell once again. Well, how, how do you do that? That's something that you and I work on together.
1: Well, Janet, why don't you go yeah. to her? yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, conveniently, <laughs> Margaret and I can work on this thing, <laughs> and I won't have to talk to Minnie much.
2: <laughs> Great, yeah. Let's. Are you sure that she wouldn't be comforted by the presence of an adult that she knows?
1: No, and I owe her five bucks, and I'm—I don't have it on me,
3: and it would just be
1: weird. Gotcha, gotcha. The five bucks—the five bucks—is in my coat, <laughs> and as we will all remember, my coat was ruined.
3: <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I, I'm on it. So he. Yeah, he kind of checks around, makes sure, and then he kind of like does a silent one, two, three, and just lets go of Margaret's hand, mm-hmm. and then,
2: and you can feel a small tingle of power going away. But there's no big to do.
3: Yeah, Janet braces for a to do, realizes it's not happening, and then goes goes to catch up with Minnie. He kind of crouches down and starts trying to at least go double her pace to cover the ground
2: Uh, we'll cut over to Gable
0: Gable is hunched over and is about to be sick absolutely just laid out and also staring at this feather and just kind of horrified at what they
2: did the feather reaches a point where it fully manifests and eyes start to blink their way open on the different branches of the feather and slowly they blink and roll around to face you
0: There's no way out. Okay. They kind of try to come back into themselves. Wipe the sweat away. Okay. Okay. And they take a kerchief and wrap the feather up and put it in their pocket.
2: All right, let's quickly cut back to Travis and Margaret. Well... I'll admit that that spell took more out of me than I was expecting, and I don't want to dip into the reserves of power that I've set aside for you and what we'll need to do for your ceremony. If I'm going to transport you, Gable, Jonnet, and this child back, I'll need something from you that really carries some oomph. Did that extra heartbreak not, not do it for you? That certainly carried enough extra for me to cast the spell once but the scope is only getting bigger and I really don't want to cut into something that I'll need for you later we're reattaching a hand and possibly undoing an ancient curse it's better to create a new well of power for this now to do this you could tell me another secret allow me to be present during an intimate moment with one of your friends or if you're feeling comfortable we could do this the easy way and what would that be? She smirks and gives you a flirtatious look. You could buck her up. Uh, well, I suppose if that's what it takes. I don't know why people think of you as a selfish man. (laughs) All right, then, Johnny, you've got an important decision to make. Yeah. Is Travis a good kisser? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Ah, yeah. ah, I'm ah, ah, saying This is probably like a lot of things That Travis thinks he's good at <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. um, Here's the thing He's good at most of the things That he thinks he's good at
3: <laughs> Yeah like that's what I was about <laughs> to say
2: is He does think he's good at it a lot But he's he actually fucking Backs it up every time
3: <laughs>
2: uh. And Kind of the thing that we have to acknowledge Is that as much as Travis is a Stinky bastard man He's also William. He is the hero of an epic romance so strong it replays itself countless times again and again across the course of history. And he knows how to work five different animal tongues.
3: Ew. <laughs> oh. No! 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 Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no! no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh I love man, that, being that. the
1: most dangerous animal of all.
3: Stop
0: it!
2: <laughs> the kiss is soft and indulgent, and there's an air of fun to it. But I have to know, how does Travis feeling about it?
1: Uh, I think I think it is fun as well. I mean, I don't think that this is something that he's really done too much in a while.
2: Yeah, and on top of that, this is a woman named Margaret who looks like the Margaret that you lost so long ago. I think there's a little bit of complicated emotion swirling behind it, but the unfamiliarity of the act after almost 200 years of mourning a loss is a big deal. And all of that comes together to fill the room with a warm and bubbling energy. It pulses with the rhythm of your matched heartbeats, and creates an echo so strong that Jonnet can feel the edges of it from all the way across the room. Well done, Madigo. I think that should suffice, and I didn't mind it either. It's good that you enjoyed it because it's going to cost you. <laughs>
3: We're going to lose all the money that we just won. (laughs) (laughs) Like
2: I said,
1: my cash was in my jacket, so.
2: (laughs) Jonnet, you catch up with Minnie. Minnie, what are you doing? I'm
3: stealing stuff. Yeah, no. You want to help? I know that, but what are you doing on this ship? How did you get here? We have got to go. Wait, I ran
1: into Gable and they. Gable. You know what Gable is? Freaked out and they. Yeah, they're over there by the weird bell. What
2: What weird bell? Janet, you peer around the boxes to the altar area in this room, and you see this beautifully engraved silver bell, slick with what looks like blood. The bloody bell? Yeah,
1: I. it's bloody now? Oh, I don't like that.
3: No, no Minnie, we have got to get out of here, all right? We are trying to get the uh, red feathers to do us a favor. We can't just be on their ship where's Gable do you know where they are by the bell oh oh so then I guess in the first moment Jonet doesn't even notice at,
0: at that yeah. moment Gable stands up they were hunched mm. up at that moment yeah they stand up and shake and turn around Jonet, Gable what are, what are you doing
3: they, here they, they run
0: over real quick what are, what,
3: what are, are, are you doing, doing here? here what are you doing We are on here what are you doing this ship looking for you I got, I got pens. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got, actually, no,
0: <laughs> you were not supposed to be here. I can handle
3: myself. What? There's a bunch of... I can handle myself. You are putting yourself in danger. You, are, you are putting doing? yourself in danger, all right? We get to the... We're on our way to the ship, and we We realize you're what? not here. And of course... What about we? Who's what, we? Uh, Travis and Margaret, of course. They're right over there. And he gestures to <laughs> where uh, they are, but like... It's, <laughs> They're making <yeah>. out. <laughs> Yeah, are. where they are, they're making out, but right. you can't see them. <laughs> John, there's no what, one there. I'm, okay, so they, all right, you can't see Johnnet, them. Have you been? And on, and on, John, you're only supposed I, to not have, drink with us. I did not drink. I did not even drink. I did not. I am 100% fine. Okay, God. they were there. They could be somewhere around here. They honestly might be listening to me. All right, either that or coming are up with a, a, with a concrete, uh, airtight plan of getting us out of here. All right, all right, invisible Travis and invisible Margaret, who are definitely here. Then,
0: if they're here, let's round them up, shall we? And get out of here. We'll talk about
3: this later. Does it have something to do with that bloody bell? We'll talk later. Mm. Oh, okay. Minnie,
0: mm-hmm? did you find that door? All
3: right,
1: yeah, Minnie, uh, get well, out of here. I didn't find a, the door,
0: but I well, I got a lot of stuff on the that's, way. That's one of. the... Uh, Fine. I guess we'll just go back up the way we came. All right, Janet, do you have a gun?
3: The the gun?
0: I have my knife. Yeah. Oh,
3: fine. <laughs> all right. I guess
0: I'll go first. You guys back me up. We'll go on. Three, wait. Hang all right? on.
3: Wait. 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 Uh, Janet thinks. Janet thinks. Grabs Gable's hand, and then gestures to Gable at Minnie. Uh, what? grab what? Grab Minnie's hand. Gable grabs onto Minnie's head. <laughs> Just kind of like puts okay. a, a hand over their head. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to say this p- to both of you, and I especially mean this to you, Many. Do you trust me? Of course. Okay. You're in the you're in the captain's inner circle. Well, then just go with it. And then John, sticks out his hand and starts. I did say I trust you, <laughs> Gable. Do you trust me? I kind of kind of assumed. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. Uh, he holds his arm out. And we're ready to leave now. And he starts like swiping kind of at the air.
1: <laughs> oh, wouldn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't it be fun if we kind of move around them and don't let them
2: touch us for a little bit <laughs> as a joke? Margaret grins at you. Yes, I do think it would be fun, but it doesn't sound very safe. And I'd like to remind you that you made a very important promise very recently. And I advised you not to break it. Man. Hmm.
1: But you didn't tell me you didn't tell me what hap what happened. And no one's in danger right now.
2: <laughs> As you say that,
3: <laughs> a Terminator comes <laughs> through the hallway. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator <laughs> enters the room. Well. He's like half like melty fleshed with a glowing red eye.
1: Mm, gross. Is this is this T1 or T2, Arnold? Or T3, T2's Arnold? is nice
2: man. Is T2. there a distinction between T1 and T2, Arnold?
1: Absolutely.
2: T2 is a nice man.
1: They're both T T800s, but the T the T800 from T2 was reprogrammed to be a good boy.
2: Well, he was reprogrammed to protect Sarah Connor or not even Sarah Connor. John Connor. John Connor.
1: But in the first one, he's, he's programmed to kill Sarah Connor, so he's a bad boy in the first one. Are we dealing with a good boy or a bad boy Terminator is what I'm asking. I'm so
3: sorry for using that
2: reference. <laughs> I actually have a deeper kind of philosophical question to ask. Mm-hmm. If Terminator is Arnold Schwarzenegger in a leather jacket with big sunglasses, is there a Terminator that is not a bad boy Terminator? Mm. <sighs> That is the Mm. bad boy versus bad boy conundrum. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Perhaps it's better to leave that question to the philosophers (laughs) to resolve.
0: Greater minds than ours.
2: (laughs) So instead of the Terminator, it's going to be a naked Wario in his boxers pointing into the room. (laughs) It's the person who stole my clothes, and it looks like they're holding hands with two little children. (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh john what did you johnny (laughs) we gotta go
2: well let's put this in johnny's hands uh johnny when does travis grab their hands okay okay i it now is the
1: time i am acting doing everything in my power to blah 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 whatever (laughs) But it was fun, we all had a good (laughs) laugh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And Travis grabs uh Jonathan,
3: you made the promise like a half hour ago. (laughs) 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 He's already testing his limit.
0: Oh, cheese, the worst person.
2: And as you join hands, everyone can feel the power of that joyful kiss between Travis and Margaret wash over them, and you can all see each other. And Wario suddenly can't see you anymore. He rushes over across the room to where you were and looks around, and he's actually quite close to you, but he's just coincidentally not standing and moving in the places that you happen to be.
0: Oh, Jonathan, you are-
3: Telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, oh. this is uh, Margaret's magic. Oh, hi. Nice to see you, Gable. Uh.
2: This is a spell I can cast, but I can tell you it's not my magic. And she shoots a wink towards Gable.
0: What, what was that? Wink? Why did you wink at me? Why did you wink? Why did you do wink? You wink? Oh, you want me to keep a secret? Oh, okay, I missed thank the you. wink. Sorry oh, about man. that.
2: <laughs> no one in this group is slick. Not a
1: single one of you <laughs> slick. All right, judgment. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty
2: slick. Maybe, but you're a bottom. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she says scathingly. <laughs> as she pulls this chain of pirates out of the room and away from Wario's wrath. And I think that's where we'll leave the episode. Sky
3: Saucy Margaret James you can't,
0: you can't end on Travis's bottom
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> And yet we did,
2: I, we we did. Uh, we, Hey we have Made it a tradition to end on Startling character <laughs> <animations>. <laughs> Many of them the audience Was able to predict before We actually did the reveal uh, The majority of which yes Foreshadowing is pretty heavy <laughs> We return once again to the captain's quarters aboard the Uhuru, which is overflowing with mail labeled for Captain Ora Vale and his crew. Uh, dear crew of the Uhuru, I'm being held prisoner in a city where gladiator combat is the main source of entertainment, oh. and I'm being given two options for my upcoming fight. And if I win, I'll be given my freedom. I think that y'all, being experts in fighting and such, uh, might be able to lend me some friendly advice. I'm told that I either have to fight 50 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. And I would really like to approach this fight as tactically soundly as possible to give myself an edge for freedom. Uh, Thanks in advance for your help. Sincerely, Pensive in
3: Prison. Mm, I mean... This is a tough one. Travis, I've got some things that I like to say. I would probably say go for the horse-sized duck, okay? It's larger, it's bigger. Yes, it's gonna pack more of a punch, but it's gonna be slower, okay? You get around that thing, you maneuver around it, you don't get overwhelmed like you would with a bunch of duck-sized horses, you're going home free.
1: I have a question. Uh, now, in this world that we've created together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are horse sized
2: ducks. I mean, larger even. I was going to say that a horse sized duck is a relatively small griffin. <laughs> uh, now, does it
1: also stand to reason that we do really have duck sized horses?
2: Mm, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I haven't thought about the fantasy repercussions. in the canon about very small horses. Why, you could have a city that instead of being infested with mice Mm -hmm. is infested with equine rodents. (laughs) Being ridden by mice. I like that a lot. Now, does the squared doubling rule... Well, a thing that we completely ignore in terms of griffin size, does this mean our tiny horses are still very strong?
1: Well, I don't know. What's the square doubling rule?
2: Uh, well, that as, as you make an object larger, its physical uh, uh, power becomes weakened. But as it becomes smaller, it's stronger. So if we were to shrink a human down to the size of a mouse, they'd be able to lift many times their own body weight, similar to an ant.
1: I guess I don't follow, because does that mean that ants used to be big and we've shrunken them?
2: Uh, no, it means that as things are smaller, uh, proportional to themselves, they're capable of greater physical feats.
3: Like, the density of your must like, the density of yourself is still...
2: Yeah, it's the density of the materials th- oh. that, that are involved. So, you, you know, you could, uh, as a small person easily let's just be in totally hypothetical if you were a shrunk down small person you'd be e- able to easily lift uh the bed sheet off of uh the bed of uh, an attractive person who you know you've had your eye on for a while and uh you know maybe you want to get swallowed just a little bit just a taste is this in the movie downsize
3: i mean this is a movie ant-man 2 i didn't see that i
2: will confirm
3: that i've reviewed many films
2: that are about a small person who has greater than Mm. proportional strength and then get swallowed by a giant lady
1: Mm. i'm gonna say the tiny horses would be really strong and it would be scary but they're so tiny
2: okay okay so we've established that tiny horses are very strong yes the other thing that we got to consider is inside the heart of every horse is a fragment of the mariner's own malice horses are evil
1: (laughs) is this something we were supposed to know or is this deep lore
2: Uh, This isn't lore so much as every person should know that horses are evil. Call it more of a personal belief. It's more of a fun fact.
1: So then the tiny horses, I think, would be just a little evil.
2: Naughty, if you will. Yeah, a little freaky. You got more opponents that are more aggressive. They're strong proportional to their size, but that still isn't much. Versus one very big, very powerful duck. Gentlemen, where's the safe bet?
1: Do you remember that time a while ago when Pizza Horse got really popular? You know, that little tiny horse that was dragging the slice of pizza around?
2: <laughs> yeah, to feed its family. Sure. <laughs> what? Do you remember that video of the horse that was showering like a man? <laughs> that was a good one.
1: What about the horse that took a selfie? <laughs> oh, do you remember when that picture that that uh, very sort of Renaissance photo of the two horses fighting
2: uh, went viral?: <laughs> My favorite film, I think, is the movie about the tiny <laughs> horse that <laughs> rides around on that gentleman's head and controls all of the actions in his Oh, horse a Horse I think that's it. I think that's
1: it. <laughs> it stomps every time he wants <laughs> the man to cook like to like four eggs. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, okay. Good shit.
2: Yeah. Campaign Skyjacks is a one shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing.
3: Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter.
0: And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles.
3: We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the One Shot Podcast Network at oneshotpodcast.com.
2: You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like OneShot. Take it from me, heroes, the most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot, I, your host, James D'Amato, bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to find new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with One Shot on your favorite podcast app. Jonat Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore. Or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A R N E. P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers
0: who've ever been kind and once for our friends ne'er
1: rise twice to the dearest we're leaving behind who know we can never deny the call of the sky